Welcome to the Art of Unraveling podcast. My name is Erin McGuire, and I'm an empowerment coach and guide here to empower you into feeling completely worthy of a business and life that you love. This podcast is the place to learn how to unravel anything keeping you from that abundant, beautiful life that you so deserve. Nothing is off limits here as we navigate life through psychology, science, and spirit. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to The Art of Unraveling. Today, I'm very excited to have a guest here to have a little unraveling conversation. My guest is Christina Morteo. She owns Gaia Waxing, and I met her at an Empower Her uh, women's group that she came and talked to, and I'm just really excited to have her here today. We met, and we just had a really good conversation just about all of all things in life, kind of hit every every topic you can think of over coffee one morning. And we're just, she knew it was like, felt like the right podcast for her to be on. And I'm excited to have her. So Christina, do you want to just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, Yes, I've been an esthetician for 12 years. um, And I opened my waxing studio after working for a fortune 500 wax company in Atlanta and Chicago. And after having my daughter and needing to be close to home, I knew I wanted to do it on my own. Uh, and be close to family. So I've been a business owner for about eight years, and then we started manufacturing our own product line um, about eight or about three years ago. So now, you know, the 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 businesses are are doing well, and you know everything is is a wheel in motion, right? And and one step at a time. And you understand the entrepreneurial journeys. Yes, I do. Ups and downs and highs and lows and all that craziness. So I think a lot of what I'm figuring out now is more of uh, internal healing. You can't really get to the next level until you've really figured out your own stuff. Oh my gosh. I love that you just said that. I don't mean to stop you there, but that is, that is so such a thing that I am learning Yeah. And it's also like you're, you know, everybody here that's listened to the podcast knows I talk about the nervous system a lot. I talk about dysregulation. And when you grow a business, you it it brings up a lot of fear because it's almost like your nervous system can't handle that next level. So there is like this whole thing you have to work through and all of your shit comes up Mm -hmm. because, yeah, anyway. I digress. I could go on forever, but I love that you said that because that is like literally what um, what I definitely am in as well. I always say live through the fear, right? Work through the fear because yeah. it genuinely is, you know, you're making all these decisions that are so much bigger than anything you've ever experienced or, or even thought, right? The, the amount of money you start to deal with and other people's lives that are in your hand and all of these things. It's And are you going to make a decision that you're ultimately going to regret five years from now just for the sake of money or you thought it would be good and then you crash and burn? You know, it's like, what are the chances? I have a I have a child. I have a life to take care of. And I have to make sure that any of these decisions are going to be good for both of us. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. There's that. Well, I don't know if it's something you want to get into, but I remember when you introduced yourself at Empower Her, you had a very interesting story 
about how you started your business and you really, I know this isn't what we plan on getting into, but we can touch on a couple of things today if you feel comfortable sharing it. Um, just like how you started your business. Cause I remember you said you started it, what, in like an attic? Did I, did yeah. I remember that right? Yep. So it was <laughs> so inspiring. I just remember listening to your story going, wow, like that is the American dream right there. Like played out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I moved here from, well, from Georgia to Illinois and then from Illinois back to Iowa. And I just, I moved in with my mom and, you know, at 20, I guess I was probably 25 or 26 at the time with a um, three or four year old. It's not exactly where you want to be in mom's house, but (laughs) mom had a finished attic where it had a pullout couch and that's where I lived. And then I put my wax bed in the corner and you just make it work. You know, I started with Laura's college students. A friend of mine had gone, her and her sister had gone to Laura's. So just from straight referrals, you know, and then I built that up to, I had maybe a handful of clients. I'm like, okay, I can afford something small. And then I rented a closet out of a salon. I mean, it was a utility closet, legitimately, maybe seven feet long and four feet wide. I mean, I have these, you know, six foot tall, big guys, I wax their backs. And so when they're sort of scooting their way in the room and then <laughs> laying on the table, awkwardly laying down, we're going to make this work, you know? <laughs> you know, and then you, I built my way up to uh, Bluff Street where it was a much bigger space, probably double the size and Bluff Street was much better than being on Central and just the other types of businesses in the neighborhood. Um, and then I got my own storefront on Locust a few years later and everything was completely financed on my tax returns. I mean, this was like hustle, 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 get your tax refund, buy some more stuff, hustle, 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 <laughs> do it all over again. You know? <laughs> Rinse and repeat. Exactly. Um, so then, I mean, from the, the storefront, that's when things kind of really took off, but, but there were a lot of traumatic experiences in between and, you know, learning how to have the right friends and learning how to, you know, you have relationships, raise a child and build a business all at the same time. And so it was a lot of healing between the attic and Locust Street <laughs> that really gave me the success I have now today being in the Millwork District. So that's a long story. <laughs> wow. I love that. I love that. See, that was what I remember hearing. I just remember going, wow, that is such a cool story that like, like you said, when you hustle, when you put in the work, like you'll make your dreams happen. It's just a lot of times people think they see people do it maybe like you and think, oh, she did that so easily. And nobody knows those years behind the grind of the tears, the tears, the struggle, mm-hmm. same with me, you know? So yeah, I, I just, I loved that story. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. So you mentioned some trauma around there and I don't want to say this is the trauma podcast because that sounds so depressing, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, we do talk about trauma in here. Somebody came up with a new word for it. I'll have to look that up Um, because it was like a nicer way to say instead of trauma. I I will, I will get that and share that with you all soon. But um, I guess, Christina, what do you feel like you're on? What are you unraveling? currently or recently or whatever that you feel like comfortable sharing Mm -hmm. with people? Um, I feel like a lot of the, the relationship things, you have sort of a, 
how do I say this? I had a, a skewed idea of what relationships were. Uh, my parents divorced and I think I knew too much uh, about their situation. Um, and while you, you should be realistic with your kids and honest with your kids to some degree, I also believe that some of the stuff you don't need to know about what your parents are actually going through. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Right. Um, so I think the relationships were hard for me over the years and maybe that, that need for love, you know, I call myself a serial monogamist cause it's like relationship after relationship. But at the end of the day, are you, do you love yourself enough mm -hmm. to let someone else love you? Mm. You know, Ooh. let's just sit on that for a second. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I'm feeling that on a different level recently too. Do you love yourself enough to let someone else love you? I just had this conversation. I don't mean to interrupt, but no, you're great. I just had this conversation with somebody on Friday, actually. And because of my trauma, I have this issue I'm realizing where I can't let love in. Mm -hmm. It's just I, I didn't know how bad it was. I didn't know that I didn't trust people to this degree. But when somebody that like other than my partner or like family, because it's like, OK, they're supposed to tell you they love you. If somebody else tells me they love me, it's like I feel this weird feeling in my chest. It's almost like if I had a hand gesture, it was like I'm kind of like pushing them away slightly like, ooh, I don't know. It doesn't feel good, which is weird. Right. So, mm, yeah, go into that more. And it's a, it's because of it's because of our past but it's there. I think I even felt that the first time my best friend, we went to a wedding and she was holding her daughter and she said, you know, this is my best friend. And like, on one hand, of course you feel good because I've never heard it before. But on the other hand, I'm like, whoa, like my, my last five best friends have been, you know, turned out very poorly. We'll say that. So I'm like, it's like, like oh, wait, are, is this is this safe? <laughs> right. Is this safe? Yes. Yeah. And like, the, is she gonna leave me at some point? Is she gonna get mad at me about something and yes. drop me? And that shouldn't that shouldn't be a thing that you fear. You know, it should be a thing that you're grateful for. And right. You know, that friendship is means the world to me now. Like, thank God for it. But it is really finding that you know you can't expect other people to fix you and you certainly can't expect a relationship to fix you. So what hurts and why does it hurt? You know, and I think that's in my relationship now and we're engaged now. Now the journey is how do I be a good wife, you know, and how do I recognize that this person is going to be a good husband, you know, and I think we've, and again, I'm, wrap my heart around being grateful. It's like knowing how to talk to each other, what the expectations are, but not having expectations, like understanding that you know, people are people and we're all flawed and we're all going to make mistakes, but how do we mold into each other's lives and, and fill the gaps? Like, how do I, you know, fill what he's missing and how does he fill what I'm missing? And at the end of the day, we have a happy home and everything is taken care of. And however, that balance fluctuates, you know, sometimes, well, most of the time he cooks. Now. <laughs> like, nice. And he recognizes that I'm not good about cooking, you know, and especially since our house is under construction, 
all of this anxiety is wrapped around like my house is chaos. But he recognizes like, yes, her house is chaos. And I have to recognize in him, okay, he's done six shows today. How can I pick up the slack? Okay, today, 100%, the dog is my responsibility. I need to make sure that this is done and that's done. You know, but you can't, until you've healed yourself, until you know kind of when you're, when you're being a bitch for no reason, like you, you, you're not going to be able to let somebody else in or you're going to push them away constantly. And I think that's the big thing is I, in the beginning, I'm like, what do you mean? You love me? Like, are you sure? Like, is this real? You know? So I think that that's something that, that I was unraveling recently and are continue to unravel is like trying to be a good wife in the future, in the near future, hopefully. <laughs> There is a ring on this finger, but I'm like, ASAP, please. Thank you. <laughs> well, so you mentioned communication stuff. And, and again, you have the freedom to share whatever you feel comfortable sharing. But is there any specific issue that you feel like comes up for you that you see over and over again in your relationship and communication? Because I know I've shared on here with you all about some things that William and I always used to get in the same fights over and over again. Parenting is Mm. always a thing in my relationships and something that I've, I've, and I'll admit this, you know, wanting the relationship to work so badly that, and not being in A, a good headspace and not being B, sober all the time, it's like you sort of make these like, oh, it's fine. And when it comes to my child, it should never just be fine, you know? Mm. So there are certainly moments where I feel and I feel this heavy mom guilt about like I should have protected her more, you know, because I'm the kind of mom, I don't swear in front of my kid. You know, I'm very particular about what she watches on TV. I'm like, she's 12 now, but even still, like, I don't want to bring sexuality into the picture. Like, we can talk about body parts super openly in our house. And when questions are asked, I'm honest with her. And, you know, but I think that there's, there's levels to it. So music, like Ariana Grande, she's super sexual in her songs. I don't want it in my house. So it's not just rap music it's not just heavy metal like there are specific topics that I just want to protect her from and that's something that my previous relationships have really struggled with Mm. you know but it's knowing and communicating in a way that's like knowing what that boundary is and trusting myself and my intuition enough to know like no this is how you want to raise your child this is how you need to communicate it in a way that isn't defensive in a way that's just look this is my baby and this is how I want her to be raised. And that's kind of it. Like that's kind of the end of it. And finding, finding ways to talk about that. That's not like, well, I'm a step parent. Like, what does that mean for me? Do I just not have a role? Well, absolutely. You have a role, you know, you, I still want you to be, you know, a disciplinarian. I still want you to be a parent. I still want that part of it, but I think learning how to communicate what I really want, you know, and allowing someone to communicate the other side, but still having safe boundaries in that department, you know, and all departments. Yeah. And I think there's probably a lot of people listening that 
well, I don't talk a lot about parenting on this podcast because I'm not a parent. So I think it's always nice to have somebody share that because probably most people listening are parents. And also, I think probably a lot of people listening have blended families Mm -hmm. and that does get confusing. I grew up with a stepdad. So I remember now that I'm an adult, he was like, I never got involved as involved with you as I would have liked to because I didn't think it was my place to. And I'm sitting over here like I wished you would have gotten more involved because there was some shit going down that wasn't cool with Mm -hmm. my mom. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting dynamic where like the step parent doesn't know how to tread those waters. And if the communication isn't very good, then they're really going to feel maybe confused and it can bring up a lot of issues, I I can imagine. Yes. Yeah. And especially at 12 when she's, you know, hormonal and figuring her own self out, you know, and it's a lot of, well, it's a lot of hurt feelings on his end that it's like, you know, you have to understand I sucked at 12 too. (laughs) Sorry, mom and Rob. (laughs) I know when my parents got my mom and stepdad got married. I mean, and I was 16 even. It's like, Mm -hmm. I was terrible to him, but it was anger, right? Like it's, yeah, it's like anger about my parents' divorce and anger about a lack of attention and, and all of these things where, you know, I, I understand that from her perspective. She's trying to figure it out. She's trying to heal from my previous relationships because my last one was not great with her. And then the other ones, it's like disappearing from her life, right? Mm -hmm. When her dad is MIA and then other relationships who she loved, like there were men that was in her life for a long time. And that was like, he raised her, you know, but then when the relationship's over and not even when the relationship's over, when he come becomes in a relationship with someone else, then he disappeared. And then it's like, well, she's not going to understand why. Right. You know, and she's just an innocent child. She's like, well, well, where did he go? You know? And how do I explain that? Right. Like, oh, well, mm. uh. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, I was going to share that uh, you said you were really mean to your stepdad. I don't remember being mean to mine, but I remember like in my head and I maybe shared this with like a friend at the time because I was in seventh grade when my mom, sixth grade, when my mom and stepdad got together. And I remember being like, the D word does not exist in my vocabulary. (laughs) Like I was calling nobody dad, including him. Like, don't don't ask me to call you dad. Um, I'm sure I was a little, you know, that's like supercharged mm-hmm. hormonal times, right. sixth, seventh grade. <laughs> I don't know the ages. I just know the, the grade, but 13 or something like that. So 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right yeah. about the same age. That's right. When my parents divorced, right in that, like, mm. what is life? What are hormones? <laughs> yeah. I hate everybody. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, my brother always calls me angsty you are a very angsty teenager christina like yes yes i know listening to my alanis morissette (gasps) oh my gosh (laughs) me too no i'm dead serious i was just gonna share i would come home every day from seventh grade because i also got made fun of a ton because i was super skinny they would like balk at me walking down the hallways like a chicken because they called me chicken legs yeah it was terrible and i would come home and play Jagged Little Pill yep. every night. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. 
That is awesome. I like turn it down right when it swears. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I'm mom can't hear. To this, mom. <laughs> I didn't. I cranked it. I was like, everybody, leave me alone. I hate you all. Yes. You are all evil. <laughs> Nobody come into my room. <laughs> oh, those years. Yeah, those were rough. I, that's when I moved to a small town. Okay. So I started seventh grade with people that have been going to school since they were in kindergarten together. Mm -hmm. And here I am, the new girl that's like skinny and awkward looking. Uh, That's exactly how I felt in seventh grade going to wash because we lived in Chicago until I was eight or nine. And then we lived in Guttenberg and my parents divorced at 11, 12. Then we went to Dubuque, me and my mom and my brother. And so seventh grade at WASH, didn't know anyone. and They all knew everybody, each other. I feel you there completely. <laughs> <laughs> we have more in common than we knew. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that's never, if you can avoid it, never move your child during those ages. It's rough. It's rough. But see, sometimes you can't avoid that. And I get that. But if you can, it's a rough time to go meet a whole new class of people. Um, but let's get back to, unless you want to keep talking about unraveling trauma There's from so many seventh grade, <laughs> you're not alone, Christina. <laughs> um, I will say this. Okay. I had a friend tell me, and this was years and years later. She's like, I thought you were so cool in junior high. I wanted to be your friend. And my friend, Katie, I'm like, Katie, I felt like such a loser. I felt like nobody liked me. I felt like I was just like this weird new kid and I didn't have any friends. So I think if there's something I can teach my daughter, it's like, speak up, say hi, you know? And if they don't receive it, then that's on them, you know? But like people are lonely. And even as adults, I'm 35 years old and there's so many days where, you know, I'm lonely for for friendship, you know? Because it's hard as an adult to make friends. It really is. I know. I almost called you recently or not called you, uh, sent you a Facebook message and was like, do you want to go meet at Wicked Dame or something? The answer is always yes. Okay, good. (laughs) But I was like, I was even talking to my boyfriend. I was like, is that weird? Because it's weird when you're like an adult. It's like, how do you like literally do you just say, can we be friends like you would when you were in seventh grade? Yes, please. (laughs) Anyone else listening? Yes. Just do it. Let's be friends. Just say (laughs) to someone, because this brings up a good point, like especially post-pandemic, people are in this weird space of like, we've not had a lot of social engagements to now it's everything's opened up again. So it's like, I feel like I'm kind of trying, I'm still easing my way out of isolation because I'm kind of an introvert anyway when, you know, I like my alone time. But I like bits of social activity and it just feels like everybody's kind of gone in different directions. So it's Okay, I'll unravel that one a little bit. Okay, let's do that. So after I moved here, then I was in a relationship and that ended terribly. So, I mean, my vices became like, let's go out, right? I was in my later 20s. I'm like, let's go to Main Street. Let's drink, you know, and it... I mean, my dad is always a drinker. God love him. But it's like I was raised in bars, really. Yeah. You know, we have that in common, too. We talked about that came up in coffee. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so drinking was normal. Mm -hmm. And um, I definitely turned to that when it's like, you know, this person doesn't love me. I'm going to go make friends and go drink and go be social and all of that. And and through, you know some 
pretty awful experiences and public humiliation, Facebook bullying and all of that. I went from this person who who needed that, who wanted to be out all the time and all the drinking through it was not the best, but it sort of like turned it all off. Right. Or then I became even pre-COVID became a complete recluse. Like, mm. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to sit and watch TV all night. And for a long time, pre-COVID, I was just sitting at home, gaining weight, watching TV. And so much so that I sort of shut my daughter out, you know, for a year. And it's like, you know, obviously I wasn't, not obviously, I wasn't unkind to her or anything, but it was a lot of like, well, I'm going to sit in here, babe. Or as soon as I get home from work, it's like, close the door, you know? Mm. But I was so traumatized by like, why do people hate me? Why are people talking about me? They're tagging me on Facebook. They're saying all these awful things about me, you know? Right. And then I became something else. So through COVID and everything, getting rid of another awful relationship. <laughs> There's a pattern here. <laughs> uh, so I got out of that. And then I'm like, you know, I'm okay being by myself. I mm-hmm. need to take better care of me. I need to eat better. I need to work out. And, you know, that's when I started hanging out with the now fiance more. But at this point, it's like, he's younger than me. I'm not interested. It's just nice to sit and have someone say, hey, I want to start a business. You know, can I pick your brain? And we would just get dinners and I didn't even tell him I was single. I'm like, like, yeah, that's cool. And we used to work out together and I'm like, okay, I'm just focusing on me. I'm getting my mind right. I'm like, I'm okay with being at home alone if I'm not drinking and I'm focusing on my mental health. I went on BetterHelp, that app. I'll totally take some payments for that if they ever want. (laughs) Right. Hello. Um, And, you know, I was like, you know, you need to talk to somebody. Yeah. So over the last two years, well, three years, I guess, I have been unraveling that, that what was social anxiety and then turned into just almost being agoraphobic, like Mm. go to work, come home, go to work, come home. That's it. I didn't want anything to do with anyone else. Yeah. I want my food and my Netflix and so unhealthy, you know, and I made it my new year's resolution this year to get more involved. So I joined Rotary and I joined the empower her and all of these things. So it's like, Am I extroverted or am I introverted? Because I do very much like to sit and just be by myself. But I think a lot of it is because I have so many reaction or interactions with people at work. Right. And I'm like, oh, brain fried. Don't want to think anymore. You know? Yeah. But I don't want to be afraid of people anymore. You know? And I was. I was terrified of people. And while, yes, people can hurt you, it's giving them that power. Like, Nobody mm-hmm. has the power to hurt me anymore, you know, right. and uh, the Prozac definitely helped kind of <laughs> level me out a little bit, yeah. you know, to where I'm not plunging into this darkness. Um, but that's certainly something that I'm actively unraveling. Yes, you can make friends. Yes, people are not necessarily, even if you feel like the interaction is weird, they're not talking about you. This is in your mm, head. Yes. <laughs> you know? oh, I think that's such a good point because, well, first of all, like we're always our own worst enemy. So and it's just a story that we're telling ourselves. Like you just said, you know, like 
I think my head tells me the story like, you know, when you're talking to people and my partner and I do this too, like maybe the waitress comes over and orders something and then you start talking and laughing. Like I, I, we did that recently. And in my head, I'm thinking, I hope she doesn't think we're laughing at her because that's something I do if I just interacted with the couple and then I walked away and they started laughing about something. So yeah, it's just like, you just get so stuck in your head about things. So it's really important to just tell yourself like, number one, I think it's important to know that those stories might never go away. Like you might always have that part of your head. That's going to like feed you, especially like in, for me, I see it come up in business. I see it come up around people. It's like, well, what are they saying about me? Or can I do this or that or whatever? And I think, yeah, those stories might never go away. So you got to have something there that you say to yourself, like, eh, we're not going there today. Like, that's just a story. That's just your perception. Like, that's not reality. Mm-hmm. My best friend just had that conversation with me yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't think so-and-so likes me. Like, she doesn't really react when I speak. I feel like maybe my words aren't adding value to the conversation. And she's like, you know, maybe she's not thinking about you at all. <laughs> Oh, well, really? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I know I've done that too. And it's, I tell myself, I've told myself before, which this gets me to stop is I'll be like, stop being a narcissist. Mm. (laughs) Cause I'm like, ouch. Yeah. Right. I'm like, ow. When I say that, cause it's like, I don't want to be a narcissist. So if I, (laughs) that's a trick though, the brain goes away from pain and towards pleasure this is just a little lesson for everybody. So our brain goes away from pain towards pleasure. So anything that feels pleasurable, the brain is like, okay. And just so we all are clear, like a lot of things we don't want feel pleasurable to the brain. Like any pattern that you might have that's negative is probably there because your brain thinks it's keeping you safe for some reason. Mm -hmm. Safety equals pleasure to the brain. So if it's like, oh, what are these people saying about me? You know, I don't think she likes me. The brain's doing that because it's trying to keep you safe in case that person tried to hurt you. So if you all of a sudden associate that pattern with something really negative, like narcissism, like, hey, Christina, hey, Aaron, stop being a narcissist. Now the brain goes, whoa, ew, <laughs> ah, I don't want that. Uh-uh, that's not good. Do you see yeah, what I no. just did there? So I'm not calling you out as a narcissist. No, you're okay. not. I've dated enough of them. Not <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, no, you're not one. But that's just a quick way to get out of that. Anyway. That's powerful, though. <laughs> it is very powerful. Like it. Yeah, it, like, hits you in the heart, it doesn't did. it? It's like... <laughs> But it'll stop you in your tracks from doing those things. Um, Okay, so I guess another question I have, because I feel like what would be helpful today, if I'm just intuiting this correctly, is is doing some of the energy clearing healing around the past and being afraid of people kind of things. It feels, feels like you're doing a lot of healing with that. But if I, if you feel comfortable with me doing just a little bit of energy healing around that, we, what we can do is release shock and trauma. It's called shock and trauma, which sounds very scary in theta healing, but it's really just releasing pain, fear, shame, guilt, resentment, regret, and humiliation. So it's like a, I call it an umbrella of shit that we have those things for days. (laughs) (laughs) Quit saying 
saying that. You're not that. You're making it sound like you're a hot mess, which is one of my rules. Nobody is ever allowed to say they're a hot mess, that they've got all kinds of issues. Because it's like, we can, girl, we've, we can clear these. I'll say this. I'm very self-aware and I am constantly working on all of these things. So Yes. And that is, that's the first and most amazing step, right? Is to just know it, own it take responsibility for it and like heal it and move on. I kind of want to write a letter where you write a letter to all the people where you're like, let me get this all out on paper. And then you burn it. Right. Yes. It's like, kind of like, you know, AA or something where part of their steps is doing that letter of like, Oh, I apologize. Making but, the amends or whatever it is. You know? But it's really making amends with yourself. Right. Where it's like, Oh, this person I hurt a long time ago, but I was 17 and I didn't know any better. Right. But it's like coming to terms with all of this, write it down, get it out, get it out and then burn it. So good to do that kind of stuff on the full moon. I'm looking at when our next full moon, Ooh, next full moon is August 11th. So okay. that's a really good day to do releasing. Okay. Plus, I love the number 11 is a good number. <laughs> it is a good number. We've talked about so much today. I love this conversation, Christina. I think we probably need to have you back for like two, three, four other podcasts. <laughs> what other traumas can we talk about? <laughs> yeah. What else? What else can we get into? Uh, so I think it's, I really think that this topic of like social anxiety or things that happen. I know I've shared in a podcast recently that I got, um, I've had a couple different people. It was like within a week, I had one woman call me a joke and another woman, um, basically tell me I was stupid on TikTok. Now I didn't know the person on TikTok, so that didn't hurt as much, but the other person I did, and that one kind of hurt. And I just, I, what I mentioned to the people, um, in the podcast, I think if I didn't share it here, I shared it on Instagram or somewhere, but is that Brene Brown's quote, which is like, those people that are down there on the stage or in the Coliseum on the floor doing the work, you know, that takes courage. But being up in the seats and t saying what a terrible job they're doing, that's cowardly, right? Because mm -hmm. they're get, get your ass out in the ring and show up and let's see how you do when you get down there, right? Yes, yes. So, and that's what I think the social media bullying crap does. You know, it's so much easier to be behind a screen and saying shit about people without actually putting yourself out there and showing up and like, yeah, it, that's, and I have a lot of people that listen to that, you know, want to start businesses and want to do these things and want to share their message more, but they're scared. And I know for two years of my life, I wanted to start a YouTube channel, but I was so scared I was going to get criticized. And it's happened. So um, that's my little segue into talking about getting so having social media bullying going on, which mm -hmm. I know you shared that you've had and that the result of that made you want to stay at home, shut out everybody because you didn't trust that they weren't going to hurt you. From a nervous system standpoint, you were probably in what we call dorsal vagal shutdown, which means your nervous system just said, it's, no. we just got to shut you down. Yeah. We got to <laughs> shut you down. Everything is unsafe. Mm -hmm. And so we just go into like a really numbed out state of, yeah, just shut down essentially. 
And I think there are, sorry, I don't mean to do all the talking here. I want to get back to Christina, (laughs) but there is a lot of people that are unknowingly in that right now because of COVID. Mm -hmm. COVID has put people unconsciously in dorsal vagal shutdown because it's, it was threatening to our nervous systems. Like there was a lot that happened there. So that's a podcast for another day, uh, as I always say, but anything else you want to share about that time in your life of dealing with bullies on social media, really terrible situations that they were saying about you. Anything else you want to share about, about that time? Well, I think what it all stemmed from was coming from a very genuine place for me, like starting something that was an opportunity for me and all my friends to, you know, actively pursue a passion that we all had. Um, And unfortunately, like dealing with a dishonest business partner. um, And this is a separate business from Gaia Waxing, correct? Correct. Yes. Um, Everything at Gaia has been 100% me. Uh, And I'm actually really grateful that I didn't take on investors or take on other people because because of other experiences that I've had in business dealings with other people. Um, You're really trusting, you're trusting them with everything, right? Like you're trusting them with, with something that's intimate, your money, your time, your energy, all of these things, but coming in with my heart in it. And then at the end of it all, people that seemingly supported me and supported us just jumped on this opportunity to speak crazy things about me on a public forum and things that weren't true and things that were awful. And if things were true, they were none of anybody else's business. And, you know, and it was like, oh yeah, I just, I, I knew it. I like, I never said anything, but I always thought that that was like, really Mm. like who's actually sticking up for me? Because at the end of all this, I'm, my life is being threatened. I'm genuinely afraid to leave my house. I up and moved and crossed state lines. You know, I was fearful for months and months. And so what do you do with that? You know, when you're, you just feel so betrayed, like, Hey, I really started this whole journey to have a platform for me and the people that I care about who I thought cared about me, you know, and granted with drinking and with, you know, that lifestyle, your vision is a little foggy, you know, when you're thinking people are your friends in that world, nobody's your friend. Right. You know, so it's trying to find the gratitude in, you know, people showed me their true colors and as humiliated as I was and afraid, I'm like, I have to take that this, this was an abrupt, like, you're done with this, you know? And so it's trying to now find that, you know what, getting past that trauma, getting past the fear, getting past all of that. And like this ultimately got you out of a lifestyle that wasn't good for you. you right. Know? But it's taken a very long time, you know, three, four years later to get myself to that point of like, if that wouldn't have happened, would you be as successful as you are now? Would you have been able? Oh. Because that was right before I moved into my locust location. 
my first storefront where I said, you know what? Screw all the rest of the stuff that's happening. I'm focusing 100% on this thing that I've been building for the last, you know, six years at that point or five years. And so it was really finding that like, okay, I'm all into this, get rid of all the extra baggage and, you know, focus on that. But I was like, work home, work home. I'm hiding, I'm hiding, I'm hiding. So it's, it's taken another four years to really feel like, okay, be grateful that this got you out of all that, you know, but how do you, how do you then begin to trust you know, that's a longer process, much longer. process. Yeah. <laughs> when you get hurt like that. Yeah. It's, that's a longer process to me. Trust comes like, cause I would never have said, if you had asked, are you, do you have trust issues? I would have been like, no, it's only until recently that I realized, Oh, actually I do have trust issues, which if you look at my <laughs> background, it would be like, how do you not have trust issues, girl? But yeah, it's like, I, my answer, if you were to ask me, how do you develop trust issues? Intuition always. Like, I think it, you know, it sharpens your intuition more to say, which when you're drinking and all of that, right, you can't hear your intuition when you're stuck in your head because of whatever is going on in your life. You can't hear your intuition. That's why finding time to get calm and come down from activated states is so important so that you can hear your intuition. But that's, I think why I would always say I'm not, I am a trusting person because I can read people so quickly. It's just once they get to know me or when I, once I get to know them, then I don't know, can I trust them? Can I not trust them? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Do they mean it when they say they love you? Yeah. Do they mean it? (laughs) We go back to that. (laughs) Right. What's good. And for me, it's more men. I definitely have more issues trusting men, even like men friends, because this Mm -hmm. it's a couple friend. And he was like, I love you. And I just remember feeling like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. That feels weird. (laughs) I love you, too. Like, instead of just like letting it in. That's so strange. Like. Anyway, trust issues are fun. <laughs> they are. <laughs> it was the women too. It was all these girls who I thought were my friends, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I knew that was true." Like, what? What do you mean? How that we're saying, like, giving you a ride home because you were passed out in the bathroom bar, like, <laughs> like, you know. And I have so many situations like that where even girls I didn't like, I've seen them in horrible situations and said, "Girl, let's go." you know, and and rescued people. Cause I would want someone to do that for me, you know? Well, somebody told me recently too, and you are, Christina, you're a strong woman. I don't know you that well, but from, but I do know you, I know you intuitively and you're strong. You've been able to create businesses. You, you're intuitive, you are aware. And when people have a light like that, other people want to tear that down. In fact, I was I was taught the like, do you know what how they catch lobsters and crabs? They put a net down on the ocean floor. This is not if you're an animal lover, this is hard to hear, but they put a net on the on the ocean floor and the crabs and the lobsters start walking on it. And as the net senses more weight, it starts to enclose. And so the crabs start crawling up the side of the net and 
then another one will crawl on top and he'll push that other one down because they're all trying to get out. Mm-hmm. And that analogy was given to me because of this person that called me a joke. <laughs> um, and that that was hurtful, whatever. It It's because people, when you have a lot of light, you are going to attract the shadow in others. And they're going to project that onto you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that is very deep. And it, I've heard that we are mirrors to others and blah, blah, blah. But there is something about when you have a lot of light, you, you trigger the shadow in other people because they're like, well, I want that. Why can't I have what she has? Why can't I have a successful business? Why can't I have this other business that you started, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and we all do that too. And that's something that I've, I avoid social media because of this, where I'm like, well, oh, her branding looks so much better <laughs> than mine. Or how come she did it that way? Like, oh, I wish I could have done it that way. <laughs> I'm like, okay, stop it. But right. That envy or that, that, like, you need to turn all that off. That's not going to help you. <laughs> yeah. The comparison, right? Yes. Well, I know we could keep going forever and I try to keep these podcasts kind of short. This one's going to be a little longer today, but that's fine. Um, But I think we are ready to do some energy healing if you're comfortable with it around this situation, right? And um, so those of you new to the podcast, if you're listening this far and listening to the energy healing part. Um, and Christina's never done energy healing with me either. So I have to kind of give her the caveats as well. Um, just a few things. I do yawn when I do this. I'm not doing that because I'm falling asleep. It's like literally just started happening to me, um, several years into energy healing, but now I know that that means there's, it's the energy moving. And when it stops, then I know that that that's done. So that'll happen. Um, this, the first and foremost is that you just have to be open to this. Like if you find yourself kind of going into your head a lot, like, is this happening? Is that happening? What is she doing? Da da da. If you kind of feel yourself going into, and those listening as well, kind of going into thinking mode, you just want to try to bring yourself back into your heart space. And I'll put everybody into a nice little meditative space here in a moment. Um, just because that energy, that mind energy blocks the flow of the, the healing from happening. It's not me doing the healing. I just literally get out of the way and I let source kind of flow through me. So there's nothing that I'm doing. I want to be clear. It's not, you know, me doing this. This is just something I've learned um, over the years. And I just know how to get out of the way to allow that to flow through. And then the third thing is whenever we clear a belief. So when I talk about beliefs, we're talking about things in your subconscious. Like I wrote down here at one point, obviously you're getting better at this, but there's still triggers around. Can I trust people? Mm-hmm. Are people safe? Um, you mentioned being afraid of people because they're going to hurt you. Uh, so that would be like what we call a negative belief in the subconscious. So the subconscious thinks that that's keeping you safe right? Yeah. Be weary of people. And I'm like, look, let's not open our heart to every person, yes. <laughs> every Sam, Dick and Harry. We know that there's bad people out there, right? So we don't, when we clear a belief, it's not like we're taking that away from you completely, but we're taking away, like, I can't, I, I can no longer trust anyone because they're going to hurt me. So there's a belief in there that everybody is going to hurt you. 
Uh, so we will we'll clear that. And whenever I clear a belief, I always say the same little kind of line, which is why to, how to, what will happen if you do release this. It's safe to, it's possible. You know how to live your daily life without it and you know what it feels like to live without it. If you'd like this, just say yes. And then you say yes, if that's what you want. I don't do anything without your permission. And then I just witness that energy changing. So this is what's called data healing. It's been adapted a little bit. So it's a little bit differently than different than traditional theta healing. My mentor, uh, Laurel Satori taught me it in a different way many years ago. And, uh, so you, those people that are familiar with theta healing might be like, oh, that's kind of like theta healing. It comes from that, but it's a little bit different. And theta healing just means that I'm trained to go into a theta brainwave. It's just a, a, a slower brainwave where you can access higher levels of consciousness. And I'm literally just witnessing in my mind, using my imagination, watching this energy shift. So again, this isn't for everybody. Like if people are super scientific, clearly you know, this is kind of tapping into, I hate the word woo woo, but I'm going to say it here um, because I don't think this stuff is woo woo anymore. That was just a defense mechanism I used to have so that I didn't sound like a crazy person. Um, but it's, a, it's more spiritual. It's a little more on the, the energy side, obviously. I feel like I need to open up my body language here. <laughs> Yeah. Let it all in. Let it all in. Um, So, yeah. So if you're open to this, those of you listening, uh, you will sense how this works. And just know that energy works wherever you are. Christina happens to be in the room with me, but I work with people all over the place. So you don't have to be physically located with me. And those of you listening will kind of get a little bit of a byproduct of the energy healing as well. If you just kind of sit and allow yourself to open up in this space. Cool. So with that, we'll get started. I don't know. This is like my second time doing this over a podcast. So it's, okay. it's, turn I'm not going to say awkward for me, but I'm still getting used to like, it's different. It's just different. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> okay. So we'll just close our eyes. Um, I just kind of like to rub my palms together, generating some heat. So those of you listening, go ahead and close your eyes as well. So we just want to take in a nice big inhale through our nose, holding the breath. Obviously, don't close your eyes if you're driving, I should say, and only close your eyes if you feel safe to. And then on the exhale, just exhale that through your mouth, just letting something go. I noticed there my shoulders were up a little bit. So if you notice that too, just feel your shoulders relax on down away from your ears on each exhale. Let's do one more like that. Inhale through the nose. Hold the breath at the top. And exhale slowly. If we make the exhale a little bit longer than the inhale, that helps your body turn on your parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest state. So it tells your body we're safe. That's a little trick we can use if we feel a little activated. So let's everybody inhale, hold the breath. And I want you to imagine there's a golden light coming in through the crown of your head or hovering, sorry, just above the crown of your head. Take in a little more breath and imagine that that golden light comes in through your crown and starts to wash over every single cell of your being. And if you have your feet 
flat on the ground or just touching the ground, as you exhale, I want you to imagine thick black clouds of smoke that go out through the soles of your feet down into the earth. And that those thick black clouds of smoke represent stress, tension, negativity that you're releasing. So just work with that visualization a couple more times. So we're going to take a big inhale. Imagine golden light flows in through the crown of your head and you can just hold your breath and swirl that golden light throughout your whole body. If you've got tension or tightness in any part of your body or any physical dis-ease somewhere, you can hold that golden light in those spaces, swirl it around, and then again on the exhale, thick black clouds of smoke. I just like to do usually a big exhale, like just... I'm not going to blow that at Christina, though. <laughs> and let's do one more like that. Inhale, golden light comes in through the crown. Hold the breath at the top. Imagine swirling that golden light throughout your body. Any stress, any tension, any negativity. Imagine that golden light picks it up. And then as you exhale, those thick black clouds of smoke out through the soles of the feet down into the earth. All the stress, the tension, negativity that you don't need. So whenever I do this, I always like to call in both mine and yours, Christina, and anybody that's listening that wants to be involved in this, any of our guides, what I call guides and angels. So that could be specific to you. If you have somebody that you, a being, a person, um, and whatever that you work with specifically, you can call them in now. We just ask that only those beings of the highest vibration and love of love and light are invited into this space as we do this little clearing today. And we'll just create a little sacred circle around Christina and I as we do this, this energy clearing. Only the highest vibration of love and light is invited into this space. Anything else stays outside. By the way, this is stuff you can do at any time. You can create little circles of golden light around you and say those exact words. Like what you intend is really powerful. So if you ever are out and you feel uncomfortable or you're around people that make you feel nervous, you can just say, you know what? I activate this. Oops. I activate this little golden light around me. Only the highest vibrations of love and light are in, in this space with me anything else stays outside. So it's a little secret you can use. Okay. So at this time, we're going to start doing a few beliefs here. So for Christina, I command to clear the belief for Christina that, and anybody listening that would like it, that it's hard for her to trust people because eventually they're going to end up hurting her. Why to, how to, what will happen if you do release this. It's safe to, it's possible. You know how to live your daily life without it. And you know what it feels like to live without it. If you'd like this, just say yes. Yes. So like I said, I don't always clear shock and trauma on the podcast, but because of what Christina told me, I want to hone in on a specific experience for her. 
So if you're listening and you have some specific experience you can that made you feel social anxiety or whatnot, you can pull that up and think about that as we do this. So I'm going to ask Christina to pull up that time in her life where she felt really, really hurt, really scared of, you know, what's going to happen and all of the terrible feelings. Just know, like, if you're listening and for Christina as well, like, you're not going to stay here forever. I'm going to take you out of those, that pain, but I need you to be in it and thinking about the people while I clear this belief. So I command to clear the belief for Christina that she's holding shock and trauma around this experience where she was bullied on social media for various reasons. Why to, how to, what will happen if you do release this? It's safe to, it's possible. You know how to live your daily life without it. And you know what it feels like to live without it. If you'd like this, just say yes. Yes. So lots of stuff at your heart center, Christina. So everybody listening, I'm just going to go quiet here for a second as we're just releasing a little bit more from her heart chakra area. In Reiki, we call the, I'm doing a couple uh, symbols of like, I'm not touching Christina right now, but at her heart center, this is called hearth. It's a particular symbol that's just for the heart. It helps to release just energy at your heart center. And I'll just send this to everybody that's listening as well. Christina, I want you to imagine, so I'm getting some visuals here. Sometimes we do this. I have people help me a little bit with energy healing, especially when there's a lot there. So I want you to imagine all this pain from this time in your life. And imagine that there's a little black box. Or maybe it's a huge ass black box. It depends on the size that we might need in this case. This is in your imagination, right? So I want you to imagine that you could put, like, just use your imagination with this, that you could take all this pain that's in your heart and put it in this big black box. And let me know when you feel like you've imagined that. Yeah. Okay. And then let's close the lid. I imagine like it's a big black trunk and let's close the lid and imagine you're locking that. It's like an old trunk that you lock and you're locking that. And then what instrument would you like to use to just blow that black box into smithereens? 
dynamite. Love it. So imagine you've got your stick of dynamite, light that match, girl, get out of the way and blow that sucker up. (laughs) And let's just imagine that it goes into like dust. Like there's not even chunks left. It's just in dust. And then I always like to call in the cosmic dump truck. We're going to sweep up that dust, throw it in the cosmic dump truck, and visualize it just driving away forever and ever. So I did get that there are some specific names of some people with this. Now, you don't have to say those out loud necessarily. You can give me just like an initial. But when I was clearing the shock and trauma, I was getting that there are some specific people attached to this that we need to release as well, if you're open to that. Does it have to be the same experience? (laughs) I was getting that it was around that experience. P. P? Okay. Anyone else? Who were you thinking of when you said that specific experience? You just have some other people you want. P is the first, but the M is the other. M is the other one. Okay. So let's do that. So we'll do last few beliefs here for Christina. So I command a change of belief for Christina that she's holding shock and trauma from her relationship with P. Why to, how to, what will happen if you do release this? It's safe to, it's possible. You know how to live your daily life without it and you know what it feels like to live without it. If you'd like this, just say yes. Yes. Hey, Christina, you're thinking about this person, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. We ask that any ties, we call these energetic ties from P to Christina and from Christina to P, we ask that those be returned to their rightful owners, bathed in love and light of the highest vibration. If you're okay with this, just say yes. Yes. Command a change of belief for Christina that she's holding shock and trauma from her relationship with M. Why to, how to, what will happen if you do release this? It's safe to, it's possible. You know how to live your daily life without it. And you know what it feels like to live without it. If you'd like this, just say yes. Yes. Any and all energetic ties that Christina was holding to M and that M was holding to her, we ask that those be cut and returned to their rightful owner, bathed in love and light of the highest vibration. If you'd like that, just say yes. Yes. So with this one, I'm ask, I'm going to need your assistance. So I just have people imagine you're holding a huge... We call it the cosmic scissors. 
energetic ties just look like little white strands energetically that go from you to the other person. And yes, we can hold these with anyone, anywhere, no matter where they are. We can even hold them with people that have passed. So you just go ahead, Christina, and imagine cutting those ties as I do this clearing. And they can be anywhere in your body, anywhere you, where you might feel tension. I definitely feel some in the back here. <laughs> here, I'm just going to... Last belief here, we got to bring in the light for Christina. So any and all places in Christina that we're holding any of this shock and trauma from this experience, from these people. We now see those empty spaces being filled with love and light of the highest vibration. Beautiful, Christina, and just start taking some deep breaths. If you want, I sometimes like to stretch my arms up after I do a little energy healing. Stretch it in. Slowly coming back into the room, taking your time. Noticing the temperature in the room. I always like to bring people back kind of slowly, noticing any other sounds you hear. And then whenever you're ready, just opening your eyes. <sighs> I know that can feel like kind of a lot afterwards. Um, there was certainly energy there that was ready to go. <laughs> your tears. You, you got me. Oh, <laughs> that's you're not no, the first. It's better to get out. Yeah, I felt a lot at your heart. How do you feel now or what was your experience? It's definitely hard to sit in it. Yeah. You know? And I think that's why a lot of people choose not to do therapy because they don't want to relive it. Yeah. Um, but I know how important it is, you know, and it's you, you teach yourself not to cry after so long and you just sort of become numb. But like tears are OK. It's such a release Like you just got to let it go. <laughs> Yeah. So. Tears are a great thing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel lighter? Yes. Okay. That's always my, mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, you have to sit in it for a moment, but I will bring you out of it. Like that's always my promise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, whenever somebody just gets energy healing, it's, you're kind of like a little daisy and mm -hmm. spacey afterwards. So I don't want to make you talk much more, but if there's anybody do you have, just as a last thing, do you have any advice for anybody that is maybe stuck feeling numb or stuck feeling scared to trust people because they've been really hurt? Anything you want to say? Well, I think, as they say, it's okay to be not okay. Um, but I think that it is very important to not stop yourself from reaching out. I mean, there are people that are there for you. And, and my friend just created this collage of all of her pictures from the past. And, you know, she said, you're not really alone. Like, it's just a feeling. It's just in your mm -hmm. mind. So remembering you're not really alone. You know, there are people who love you and, you know, don't get, don't get so stuck in that. Love yourself enough to come out of it. 
I love that. Yeah. And reach out to somebody and make a new friend. Like Absolutely. Christine yeah. and I did. I'm going to ask her to hang out again with we're going to be awkward adults. Like, how do you ask people to be your friend? Hey, I love just coffee do it. Dates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Coffee dates, whatever. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and for taking this time today. And thank you all for listening and tuning in. And as always, you know where to find me if you need any support, if you're going through anything. Um, I do have my nervous system reset program is coming out this month. Uh, That's going to be a group program to heal dysregulation and kind of get out of these activated or shut down states. And then I do work one-on-one with people as well. So if you need any support, you can find me at thesensitiveceo at gmail.com or purelighthealing at Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Shoot me a message. Let's talk. And I hope you're having an amazing day. And let me know what you think about the podcast and these conversations we're having. I always love to get your messages. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. If you would like to connect with me more, you can find my website, my services, and my social media links all in the description of this episode. Remember, you are a beautiful and divine and powerful being. And it's time to own it.